With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky episode 29. Jim Taddy with you for the next, I'm going to say, 50 minutes. We're going to go long today. Our guests are Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager, and Gord Stellick, the former Leafs general manager, a broadcaster who works at the opposing station. I work at TSN 1050. He works at the Fan 590. We split the Leaf games, so when I'm on, he's not and reverse. Gordon and I go back a long time, worked together originally, now against each other in this competitive marketplace. Before we get going, this weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So, where are we? Well, the Leafs are in a mess. Their recent streak is 0-3-2, preceded by 9-0-1, preceded by 1-6, preceded by three perfect games in Edmonton. What do we have here? Don't really know. Don't like the timing, though. Goaltending gone soft. Injuries, Hyman, Bogosian, new guys coming in, Felino and Hutton, to say the least. And so it's a state of flux. Just when you were hoping things would go to bigger and better things, there is a large speed bump in the road, and the Leafs are going to have to solve it. Will they? Well, time will give us the answer to that. But in the meantime, two great conversations on the subject. Up first, Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager. So, I mean, with a 3-2 lead, thanks to a power play goal and a shorthanded goal, then they hit the collapse button. I mean, I just can't believe that at this point of the season, that could happen. That was shocking, wasn't it? Yes, it, it shows a lack of discipline, which is something the Leafs have to address. If they expect to go by the first round, they can't play this way. And here's a, a team that's 
been ravaged by COVID. And if nothing else, the second game in three nights or two nights would be to the least advantage. And they showed none of they they, they just didn't they just didn't show any will to overcome an opponent that's obviously weaker. And uh, I, I've always had that in my mind about the Leaf team this year. I'm really waiting for them uh, to play a meaningful set of games like they did in Edmonton. I don't know what happened to them there. They must have had something different to eat. But they, they, that, that's when they were at their best. And now, without Zach Hyman there, they, they've got problems because he's their biggest uh, puck retriever. He gets in, gets the puck, gets in front of the net, and, and, and they get their chances. And uh, if you've got a lot of guys that can score and can make plays but don't have the puck, that creates a philosophical problem for the team. How do we play? I, I, as much as I, I don't know Sheldon Keefe other than when he was a junior, uh, I'm not impressed with his coaching only because of the inconsistency that I just spoke about. If Sheldon knows how to coach and coach well, he'll have his team ready to play on all occasions, and particularly when they outplayed a team on the Sunday night, and you would have expected the exact opposite result, and you didn't get it. You got nothing in the third period when you would have thought that the the Canucks, with their battle with COVID, would have been right out of gas. And there was was no drive in the Leafs. Just what, what is this? And I think it's perhaps Sheldon will be able to explain it when he has his next session with the media because it certainly must be frustrating to all the Leaf fans. Well, I mean, you know, there's blown leads 2 nothing in the first game and one nothing in 3-2 in the second game. And, you know, what bothers me, Bill, is there's enough of a sample size here. You can go from playing so well in Edmonton, and those are perfect games. There's no question about that. Then you go one and six. Then you go nine zero oh, and one, and then you go zero oh, three and two. I mean, this is a team that could punch your lights out in the playoff series, or have the same thing happen to them. They're just night and day. Yeah, and and that that is not a good omen, Jim. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a good playoff, but I think it has to be addressed. You can't have that inconsistency because by the time the inconsistency is expunged from the club, the series is over. And that's what they have to address. I, I, they, they, they need somebody to carry them either in the net or some player. And right now they're, they're not getting a lot of help as a team. They're not doing what's expected of them. They're not doing what they're capable of doing. And people are wondering, oh, oh here we go again. And uh, I haven't come to that point. But it's very disconcerting when they do what they did last night to say nothing of what they'd done the night before, to say nothing of the fact that this team had been out for a full month. There's just yeah. no excuse not to get at least one win out of those two. It was. Uh, it's weird because if you if you analyze the goaltending, it really goes back to a win against Ottawa. So it's a six-game sample, and what you come out of it with is six games of uh, you know soft goals being allowed. Uh, short side for Campbell and for Riddick right through him at key moments. And, and that has to change. And there's really no indication that we'll see Freddie until maybe the end of the season. And we all know what he's like after a long layoff. So that that's a precarious spot. You're in with three different goaltenders and that's pretty scary. Well, it's pretty scary when 
none of them have got the Fred Anderson style of goaltending that the Leafs are accustomed to and, and what really keeps you in the game. And, and I, I'm not sure that Riddy Kazet, I thought that everyone was uh, sound on Campbell and his 11-game streak would give you a uh, reason to think that way. But now he's showing uh, his inexperience and his seven years in the minors. So I don't hold that against him, but it's becoming apparent that he was not nearly as good in anything other than 11-game streak uh, than he is, you know, bad now. I, I, it, it just somewhere in between is soupy, and uh, uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, he'll be he'll be back in, that's for sure. It's you know, it is kind of precarious, and you could speak to this because you've been in the game and, and around teams that knew what to do. And I'm talking about when the moment arrives. You know, what do you do? So the moment has arrived for the Leafs, and the goaltending's gone south. And you know, the defensive system that made them look so good uh, in the past is, for whatever reason, is gone. You see defensemen pinching all the time and not playing the scoreboard, which is something you wouldn't have said a month ago. They were pretty good that way. And, and this is the moment. Yes. The moment is, you know, you have to step forward, win the division, and go through the playoffs. But they're starting to wilt at the, at the worst time. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it's easy to say for you and I, Jim. Yeah. But this is, this is a, a, a major uh, conflagration uh, team-wise that has to be addressed by the coach and things done very positively to get them back on track. And whether it's reviewing film and saying, well, let's, let's just have a look at that Edmonton series. Let's, let's, let's just uh, analyze it piece by piece. How did, how did the Leafs keep the two best scorers in the league, two best players possibly, uh, off the scoreboard? Well, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting study, and it's something that has to be done. They can't continue to play the way they played in mystery. You finished that game last night, and if you're a Leaf fan, you're saying, what have I got here? Yeah. What have I got here? I was feeling sorry for Vancouver with the malaise that they had. And to have, having played two games against the top team in the uh, uh, Canadian division. And it just, it was, it was a walk in the park for Vancouver, notwithstanding the game they should have won, which was the first one. I mean, they outplayed them, they outshot them, they outchanced them, they did everything but put enough goals in. But this second one was a very disheartening uh, exposure to the underbelly of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep, I agree. I'll tell you one thing that I would not have done. I would not have changed each one of my defensive pairings, and I wouldn't have auditioned Sandine this late in the season. I just don't understand how they handle those situations. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you're right, Jim. It doesn't make any sense. What you're doing is you're gambling, and you should go with those guys that brung you. Mm -hmm. And that defense, as you and I talked probably last week, one of the most significant changes in my evaluation of the Leafs has been the solid structure of their defense. And someone asked me the other day about the power play. Well, you know Riley's doing very little, very yeah. little. If he's not putting the puck in the net or putting the puck on somebody's stick in front of the net, he's not doing much. 
He's very weak defensively, and I don't want to say he's timid because I haven't seen him any other way. But they, uh, they've got to make an evaluation on Morgan Riley as to whether they're going to go to the next level with his salary. He's already at $5 million, and uh, he's, he's not grossly overpaid, but he better start putting points on the board and getting the power play going. Two for 48 ain't good enough, although they got one last night. So uh, they're, they're coming along. Maybe they're breaking that hex. But you saw the power play in the Edmonton oh. series. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, they take film and they do the work, but they've still got a group of very talented offensive players. Puck possession team, you got to get the puck. Well, they're not getting it anymore. They aren't, they're, they're on it, they can't get it. And that's, uh, that's going to eliminate one of their qualifications because if you're a puck possession team, you better get it. Well, I mean, the power play, let's, let's be honest here. Uh, if they lose the faceoff, on the, to start the power play and it goes down their zone it takes them at least 20 seconds to try to get back in and everybody has the visual in their mind of morgan riley carrying the puck and looking for the drop pass whether it's relevant or not this is this is a program play that hasn't been yeah. adjusted and you know i was on the broadcast last night i said how is it possible with three different coaches uh, who've had great success elsewhere hiller mcfarland and now mel holtra the power play starts out the same way, gangbusters at the start of the year, and it whittles down to nothing as the season goes on each year under three different coaches. I, I just don't understand how that could happen with, with that kind of regularity. Well, first of all, you and I say to each other, this is not a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's something going on, and my initial reaction is that they're not practicing the power play and the penalty killing, which are two areas where you can really make your team significantly better. And if that's the case, and I don't say it is, but how else could that happen with three consecutive coaches? Whether you get cocky and you say, ah, my power play doesn't need any work. I just want them to do it. They have to be told what to do, obviously, because when you go one for 43, uh, it's more than talent. It, it's work and it's commitment uh, to doing what you have to do to score when you got a free opportunity. And I, I, that would be my, without having seen them practice, without having been a part of their operation, that would be the thing I would ask first. How much practice time do you devote to your special teams? And they, they'll probably have an answer, but if they do, then they better tell us what they do because that. The power play, as you say, goes to nothing. Yeah. And if, it, if they're working on it, it goes to nothing. It makes it even worse. Well, I mean, even last night when Tavares eventually scored, what was happening on that power play before the goal goes in is Vancouver set up in the box. They don't move. All the lanes are shut down. So you've got uh, the five Leaf skaters. Three of them are back by the blue line passing the puck around, and the four defenders are not moving. So, you, I mean, you don't have an overman, uh, an outman situation. No, 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 no. No, you don't have, you don't have a two-on-one situation in any area. No. No. Crazy. So you, don't, you, can't, you don't take advantage of uh, the man advantage. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like you're shorthanded, actually. It's crazy. <laughs> Makes no sense. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's just wrap it up on 
Um, you know, this team has uh, sort of hit a fork in the road now, uh, and the good news is Polino and Hutton will be arriving in short order, and that might make up for the loss of, of Hyman, and I don't know how long Bogosian's up, but, you know, there is some there is some value to the guys they're adding, that's for sure, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I think Felino, no, let's not make too much of Felino. Felino is Felino. He's a leader. He can play the game. He's tough. He's, he's a unique package in that whole group, and uh, he, he will make a difference, whatever it is. And Hutton, the extra defenseman, will be, uh, depending on how long Bogosian is out, they can't, they can't afford to play the little guy at this stage. And, and that's, no. uh, I, I mean, you're either going to make a commitment to him next year or get rid of him, but I, I, I can see Felino stepping into the lineup Showing some leadership, uh, paying attention to to detail. I, I get a funny story down here from Florida. They're at training camp, and they're you know they're, they're scrimmaging and shooting on the goal. And all of a sudden, uh, Bob Bobski comes out to center ice, and he's stretching, and he's from, and, and uh, the, the Swede from uh, uh, from Nashville and Pittsburgh, whose name will lose me, but they just picked him up. He skates over and he says, what the hell are you doing out here? He says, oh, this is how I warm up. Not anymore, he said. Get in the net and take shots. Bobrovsky's been a different goalie. I'm not saying that was the reason. But somebody brought some decorum to the team. And that's what I think Felino can do. And maybe it has to be done. I, I, just, I just think they'll look up to him and respect him for what he is and how he does it. So let's hope that uh, Nick Foligno can give what he's got and make this team a little better and perhaps pay a little more attention to detail, which seems to be the error of their ways. Yeah, okay. Then maybe an outside voice is what they need. Bill, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Okay, Jim. See you next week. You know, that discussion that Bill was referring to, Bobrovsky and Hornquist was the guy that he couldn't find the name on, is interesting because you would assume that when Felino walks into the Leafs situation, he'll either say something, do something, or suggest something, which may turn a few heads in a positive manner. And that is the hope. They certainly need that. Now, let's go to door number two. Gord Stullick, former Leafs general manager and a longtime friend, is our guest here. Okay, Gord. Well, the biggest question of all is, you know, where are the Leafs right now? And based on the two games in Vancouver, they've hit another fork in the road. What's your assessment of where they are? Well, uh, the Vancouver games, Jim, I find especially disappointing. Where they are in the big picture, I I think it's been a a great season from stem to stern. What they didn't have last year, they started properly. They banked some points. They played, you know, solid two-way hockey, had a lot of things going well on the team concept. But what I'm seeing of late right now, if they are like, this isn't the year when they got Brian Boyle and made the playoffs, got eliminated to the Washington Capitals and everyone's first taste of it. I mean, this is different. This is supposed to be either a very good team or maybe even a great team that their team has not won the playoffs around in what, like almost 20 years or 18 years and expected to win too. So my concern right now is you look at Vegas, Colorado, Washington, Tampa, whatever, but even Florida, they're making statements right now. Like they're they're great teams right now, and the Toronto Maple Leafs making a statement. You want heading in the playoffs? They're 
Uh, I, I use the analogy that, you know, Baskin Robbins has 33 different flavors and they brought vanilla to Vancouver. And and then and, and that was my that that's my concern right now. I gotta write that down. That's a good one. I'm gonna use that. Well, you see my size. I know about ice cream, okay? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of uh, it's just a weird situation because you know, you can't cover the Leafs and not have the history lesson thrown in your face on a daily basis. And, and you know, it, it goes back uh, over 50 years, 54 years, if you want to. You know, you can pick any spot along the road there to to sort of describe the current situation. Uh, my issue with the team is we don't know. Uh, you've seen teams in the past that would stumble into the playoffs and then find that magic potion somewhere in game one or two of the first round and, and go on to win a cup. You've seen other teams that, that have to win their way into the playoffs and, and are really good the last 10 games and keep it going. We don't know where this team is. What we have is a sample size of, of three games of perfect execution in Edmonton, followed by a one and six, followed by a nine Oh and one, and now followed by an Oh three and two. You know, what does that mean? I don't know. Well, it means you want to get the nine and one in the playoffs, and not the uh, you know not the zero and six. Uh, so the the great example that you just mentioned was when Ottawa killed the Leafs. I mean, year after year after year in the regular season, and then the Leafs upset them in the playoffs. And one year in particular, uh, you know, they were way ahead of the Leafs. The Leafs just finished the season, uh, you know, crawling, and they eliminated Ottawa in four. Shane Corson on Alexi Yashin. Remember the number you know yeah. he did on that? Eliminated them four straight. So. You know, you you wonder what will be, but you know what gets me, Jim, is like sure we got fifty plus years, but let's just talk one year. What yeah. the hell was in the summer? What went with the bubble? What went with a team that showed like it wasn't Boston anymore? It wasn't like it'd have to be a seven game series against Boston. It was Columbus, and the team flat out looked uninspired. Jake Muzzin got hurt. You would have thought Nick Lindstrom got hurt. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. You know, like yeah. and 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 that's why fans get a little nervous. They don't want to get a repeat of the Columbus bubble experience. Well, you know, there's, there's, to what you said, I mean, there's there's a feeling about this team that unless it's 100% healthy, it finds a way not to get to where it's supposed to be. And that's where they're at right now. That's one of the reasons why they are where they are right now is, is because they're not totally healthy. And that's a scary premise because the odds of you being totally healthy for a four-series round in the playoffs would be somewhere between slim and none. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, really, with Zach, they were getting healthy again. Zach Hyman's injury is a tough one. That's great news if it's only going to be about two weeks. I think the other concern, Jim, is that Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons got healthy, but they're not what they were the start of the season. Like, you yeah. know, guys have to find certain niches, whether it's a Nick Robertson, can he score at the NHL level? But those guys as well, too. So, you know, you, you're right about about playoffs. The great teams win in spite of injuries. They win in spite of injuries. They win in spite of questionable officiating. And if you're, and that's what we are led to believe, the Toronto Maple Leafs are. So they, look at Washington start of the year. They got those four guys that we learned how severe COVID protocol would be just by going to someone's room post game. And right. uh, they missed what, two weeks. And the, I don't think they lost a game with our, our, arguably their four best players. Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's all about finding a way. And, and so there, there's continuing in the Leafs story is, is reasons why they don't find their own way. And one of the more, I guess, pressing reasons that has uh, sort of erupted lately is the, the lack of the timely save. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I don't quite understand. I don't know that I've ever seen three goalies have that kind of an issue, but and for different reasons. But there we are with the Leafs. It, it's, it's wacky. Well, yeah, and you throw, you know, Michael Hutchinson into the mix and Freddie Anderson, you got four in total that have had, yeah. you know, really abysmal games in a, in a shortened season. I, I think, you know, David Riddick in the second Vancouver game, 
Um, boy, they're certainly accountable. He took, I thought Jack Campbell and him were going to fight about who was at fault. They really, I don't, you know, they, they really, I don't mind that except blame that way. But I, but I, I think Riddick's terrible second half of that game still masked to me the lack of a statement the Leafs as a team were supposed to make. And seriously, the game before that, you know, again, you know, Jack Campbell not coming up with a timely save masked that the Leafs blew a two nothing lead against the COVID ravaged Vancouver Canuck team. But What's happened every year? Well, the, the last good years, you had six years of Curtis Joseph and Ed Balfour. Out goaltended everybody else in the playoffs and had success in the pack win era. That's a big reason. Freddie Anderson, I love him, but his worst games have been in the playoffs. And we've seen this, you know, we've seen this too often. So again, he almost is a microcosm of the team in the bigger picture about uh, they're going to have to play their best hockey in the playoffs, which they haven't done for years and get the best goaltending. At least now, Jim, they have three options. I mean, th there was no depth beyond Freddie in past years. And yeah. these other guys have had proven track records, even though, yeah, like you say, it's, it's almost baffling that everything falls apart just in the last week when it was going so well. It, it is wacky and it's uh, troublesome because it uh, it opens up old sores. Uh, and I don't know how else to describe this team other than it does bring back bad memories. But I think that you know I think you said this earlier. Where they're at now is not where they were, were before. This is this is judgment time. So if they go into the playoffs and somebody doesn't do a job, I have to believe that that somebody is out. Oh yeah, yeah, and it starts with Freddie. That's why you know with Freddie about he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and and that will dictate the playoffs whether there's a a mutual a mutual pursuit or not. They they wasted a year. They wasted a year in the rebuild because it started with a dysfunctional uh, front office with Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas. And Mike Babcock so much as uh, admitted that in that very candid interview with Christine Simpson a number of weeks ago. That so last year he started the season pissed off. And that's why he treated Jason Spezza that way and disrespected him. And Tyson Berry, oh, you're 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 Kyle's acquisition. I'm I'm going to show you. You got to play the Babcock way. They never got good. They were supposed to be moving up, and they and they never got going. They took a step backward. To their credit and to Sheldon Keefe's credit, they salvaged it to get in the playoffs. But then the disappointing part was they again bleeped the bed in the playoffs and didn't take that step forward. So you're you're right about it. it's pretty simple this year about you know, what happens in the playoffs and, and there, there's not another year to say, wait till next year. You know, that, that whole uh, attitude of you have to do it my way. I mean, that's contrary to, to how sports operates and, and what sports teaches you. Sports teaches you to rise above, to find a way to come up with a solution, to work through situations. And I just can't believe that, that somebody would walk into a room and say, you're not my guy. So you're not playing that, that, that undermines everything. Well, you know, uh, Paul Maurice was among those when the Bill Peters situation happened. And he just said, you know, he's a, he's a respected coach, been doing it a while. But Jim, same as broadcasters. Look how care look how different it is when we're on the air now about uh, the checks and balances we have in our head about uh, just things that have evolved and changed. And he just said, you know, how how it is all a, a changed and it's and changed um, sometimes in step with society, sometimes later than society. And, you know, flat out, Mike, you know, Mike Babcock. Six million dollars a year, over six million, the hottest hire a few years ago. The guys won a Stanley Cup. The guys won gold medals. I, I think the first couple of years he did a great job with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But all of a sudden, you know, the whole Mitch Marner thing that came out, uh, the Johan Franzen thing came out, the embarrassing Chris Chelios thing came out, and crickets. Nobody yeah. jumped to his defense. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you know what? Game set match. I don't care the method you used before got success. You're not even going to get a chance to have success nowadays.
Well, Gordy, I always thought with the salary cap, though, you had to uh, form a partnership with your core players because, I mean, literally you're, you're stuck with each other and you have to form that partnership and respect them and figure out a way to make it work. If you do the me against them routine, you're out. I mean, I just never saw that as a possibility. Well, you know, and that's where it's funny, Lou Lamorello, and they talk about the, the, the Lou mystique. Well, Lou is all about the players. Like when he yeah. used that line, I'd share a foxhole with Nazem Kadri. That's his point. He's fully engaged in war for you. So it's not like, you know, all these other things. Are, oh, my God. what? No, it's a great atmosphere because he actually has a partnership that way about it. You know, he, he may have certain rules that are a little different than other places. But you're absolutely right, Jim. And I mean, the NBA was the first to, you know, come to that realization. And then in hockey's case, even before the salary cap, I look at Mariel Mew. What? Pierre Kramer was his first coach and he was going to make you know, what a disaster. And Robbie Fatorik, who's a real good coach, like why would he not just play Wayne Gretzky all the time? Like why did he, you know, these two guys and, and so now more and more it's understood. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux was honest about it with Alexander Ovechkin. Hey, when you come to the bench, uh, whatever you want to go on, you go on. I might even push a little stick to get, you know, I totally understand that. It's not, and it's about finding ways to win, which means you treat everyone the same, maybe different, but there's an understanding it's all for the betterment of the team. Well, I mean, these guys are highly paid. I just don't know why anybody thinks that they could march up to somebody and, and I guess for lack of a better phrase, disrespect them to to use that as motivation. That's just it's not going to fly in this world. No, you know, it's it's outdated. And, and uh, you know, like I said, with uh, Mike Babcock's case, I guess he walked the fine line and some people had done that. But all of a sudden the line just got totally erased. Okay, let's go to the current Leafs in the power play. Uh, this is a, a mystery to me because, you know, I, I said earlier on the podcast with, with other people, uh, three different coaches over the years, Hiller, McFarland, and now Maholtra. And it, each year it starts out great and it whittles down to next to nothing. And I don't, you know, the, the picture in my mind is Morgan Riley getting the puck after they, they lose possession and it gets fired down the ice as he's skating out automatically looks for the drop pass. And, and to me, that's that's like pre-programmed. He's better than that, but but that's what he has to do. And that undermines the whole thing for me. Well, you know, the, the Leafs were like number one or two in, in the power play starting the season. So, you know, it's 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 not like it's been a disaster all the way through. So it, 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 is, it is really perplexing the number of things that have gone south on it. But, you know, your one point there, I think it's understood, not just with the Leafs, but the drop pass now is being defended against. It's not, it's not a novel concept where before everyone was back, the four players, so you could have Mitch Marner or whomever, Austin Matthews, taking it full speed. Well, now, no, they're, they're, they're trying. So to me, you got to find more options that way. And again, it's not just the Leafs, it's other teams that have come to realize that. Uh, it, you know, uh, Dave Poulin's a guy that talked about playing on a number one power play when he did in Philadelphia and said one of the keys was they didn't practice it very much. Scotty Bowman had one of the greatest power plays of all time in Montreal. And he said, whenever we practice it, Guy Lafleur would screw it up all the time. So we just left it and we were just number one. We just, so I, so, so somewhere between that kind of instinct of pond hockey of being the best players and, you know, doing it that way versus the X's and O's, whatever uh, they got to figure it out. And I, 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 I believe they will. I just, I really find it baffling and puzzling. I got, I got nothing to add as far as my advice, but it just, I, I, that, that's one thing I really can't believe. Well, I mean, you could re literally read it on Morgan Riley's face that he has to do the drop pass. And, and because there's a stutter there and because the other team knows it's happening, it just unravels the whole thing. Now, let's go to the power play goal uh, from the, the, their last game last night. So Tavares scores, but before he scores, 
uh, you, what you really have is the Vancouver box, which is not moving. All the lanes are plugged. And you've got three Leafs back at the blue line going back and forth with the passes and two Leafs down low. Uh, they're not breaking down the coverage. I mean, as it turned out, the puck came out and, and Tavares used a screen and shot it and it got it right. on the short side. And that's a rare opportunity. But the rest of the power play is is set searching for something that the other team is going to give you. They don't break down the coverage. No, because before they had those great whiz-bang plays that worked. You kept going, shoot, shoot. But more often than not, they would have the two or three extra passes moving it quick and, and bang, it would go in. Now, when that's not happening, um, you're moving at a half second, say, uh, longer. That's a big half second in the National yeah. Hockey League. So, yeah, so I, I don't know why they didn't, you know, come back a little bit more to that simple thing like Tavares just did. Got a screen. Let's just fire pucks. Let's get rebounds. That's the old keep it simple. And 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 that, you know, that's my one, like you're saying, my one observation that way now, you know, and confidence is such a big factor. And so now, you know, you've lost confidence in your power play right now. So you're probably trying harder to make it work. And those instincts and all that kind of stuff just aren't, aren't flowing fluidly. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's hard to watch because you know that they're better, and and I keep saying Morgan Riley because when you see him break out, you know he has the the capability of solving this on his own. But yeah. but the plan is uh, the drop pass. You know, and you know as it turns out with the injuries with Hyman out and and Bogosian gets rubbed into the boards awkwardly. You know, with Hutton and Felino arriving, timing is everything, and it's it might be excellent in this particular case. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and particularly, you know, Felino can do so many different things. He can fill that Zach Hyman role as well, you know, which they need. And in, in Hutton's case, they need some some depth on D um, and uh, and that. So, yeah, so it's I liked all the moves they made, including Riddick and, and getting them in. But Felino in particular, like they swung for the fences and I'm OK swinging for the fences. Yeah. Uh, you get eliminated in the first round. That that's a, that's a huge disappointment, but it was the appropriate price to pay. And you know, he's just a guy that can do so many different things. He's not a one-trick pony. Uh, I want to ask you about Sandine. I'm, I'm not, you know, I know he's got a lot of skill, but I'm not a big fan because I think if you if you uh, applied a physical attack on him, there's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, and at some point, I mean, you drafted these guys in the first round, Lilligren and, and Sandine, so you got to hope they're going to, you know, fit into the lineup at, at some point. That that is the hope when you take somebody in the first round. Um, it, yeah, it was, and it was last year against the Red Wings. I think he had the great the season before. He had the great preseason. One game, one preseason game, he played 28 minutes, which is ridiculous. And then a, a regular season game against the Red Wings, he got leveled and just whatever went back to the Marley. So uh, I, I agree. There's an element of uh, back to the drawing board. He was hurt this year. Uh, his skill set is more, you know, more the offense and that element. And uh, even the little bit that Miko Lettinen played, I like that he had the nice low shot from the point, you know, and Sandine has a bit of that, that that's a component that you don't need the wild, the, the big slap shot sometimes if you can get someone that can find the lanes and do that. So that's the kind of player that uh, we see him being, and yeah, you're right. It's not like they're, you know, you wish there were Adam Foxes breaking into the NHL or Kale McCars or someone like that, but no, those those guys, or Morgan Riley. I mean, Morgan Riley broke in and really, you know, established himself as an NHL elite player, and that's always the best case scenario of anyone you drafted, but uh, the odds don't look that way for Sandine. Okay, Gord, let's go in the time tunnel now. Let's go back to, I believe, the Way first back. show. I believe the first show we did. This was a show called the, the Leafs This Week that aired on Global from 7 to 7.30 on a Saturday night. There was no, the Leaf games would start, Hockey Night in Canada would start at 7.30, and there was no pregame 
show back then. So our show that we did through Pyman Productions, Richard Pyman, uh, unfortunately passed away in, in an auto accident many years ago. He was the guy who, who put us together and we did this show. And I, I believe the first show was, was on the Gilmore trade. Was it not? Yeah. Now one step backward, I got to give you more credit because people know about Sportsline. You, you were on the first show. I mean, that was the first show. Wayne Gretzky watched you on the satellite dish from Edmonton. Sportsline was the only show out there delivering the highlights. And you, covered me as the general manager, the Leafs. Then after, you gave me uh, an opportunity to appear after Leaf games, and I think we called it uh, Leaf Chat I, or I, Leaf Chat or something like that, yeah, something whatever like it may that. be. Yeah. But but the first time I appeared, uh, I wasn't sure, like, makeup-wise, and I was nervous, so I just sweat bullets, <laughs> and I didn't want to touch it. So I, I looked like that movie Network and, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, But you were you were gracious to give me a chance, and I figured out how to sweat properly and apply makeup and that. So... So we were doing that at Sportsline. Then Rick Pyman, who was just a wonderful guy, to your point. And, yeah, there was nothing going on. Like, no. you know, T TSN wasn't really happening yet. Uh, Sportsnet hadn't started, nor had the score. And uh, it was, so it was that half-hour magazine show uh, on, a, uh, on a Saturday. And you're right. And all of a sudden, bang, um, the world turned from the Maple Leafs uh, being, like, on a horrible skid right around New Year's. And that five-player trade, I mean, included Jamie McCallum was a hell of a player too, but Doug Gilmore coming to town. So all of a sudden we had a storyline, which was great. And what a fun show to do that, you know, we we could could break it all down or, or change it and go with the storyline. And it was just on a half hour before. And and uh, and you had all that experience from doing Sportsline all those years. And I know people loved it because there was this insatiable appetite that was not being fed for content. And now we know how it's being fed to these podcasts and everything. And, and that was a great chance to get people, Hey, yeah, at least this week, let's, let's see the game tonight. What's goes on. And then, cause Gilmore was so pumped to come, right? Like oh, you know, yeah. it was neat. Like it got us pumped and you watch the broadcast and man, you never look back that era, that era changed with that trade for a couple of years. And we, we, we got to be on the, the cutting edge of the start with, uh, with the Leafs this week starting. Well, it didn't take uh, CBC Hockey Night in Canada long to realize they could do their own half hour, which I think was the next year. And and so that show became history. I, I remember I used to call your your top lip Niagara Falls. Do you remember? That's that? right. Yes, 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 it was. Yeah. I don't know what my bottom lip was, but yeah, I had... Uh... I had it, it was the little things you learn in in the and look you were doing podcasts from home we we could use makeup now or something but uh, uh, yeah. I do I, I do know later like we kind of kidded that when we when the show didn't go anymore it should have been the Leafs are week because they started going down you know a few years <laughs> later on but uh, but it, it it was such a simple idea and and, and Rick Pyman had a studio out in uh, in Streetsville and yeah. it, it was kind of neat it was an old house. You th when you went in the first time, you thought, are, are we making underground movies here that we're going to get arrested or something? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and quite often you had to stop if the FedEx guy or UPS guy rang the doorbell, you had to stop tape and start again. And if a train went by, it was a little bit close. You had, to, you know, whatever. But uh, but he 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 made he became a happening guy in that in that yeah. niche business. And and you and I were both uh, both benefit of being involved. Absolutely. And if I recall right, I think that show, we had already done it. We had to re-record bits of it um, after midnight. So I had to do Sportsline and I had to drive over there and do it. And then I had to drive somewhere else because I was on the OHL game of the week the next uh, the next day. So I think I had to drive to Peterborough after that. But And Bill Waters was on that show because he was the, the assistant Leafs general yeah. manager at the time. So that was a, that was a big, certainly that was a, a trade that has reestablished the franchise after years of just well, you you were there. So I mean, how would you describe now that you can look back on it clearly? The years that you were general manager were were chaotic for everybody, weren't they? 
Well, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. I mean, it was uh, it was um, still, you know, what I respect is the passion that everyone wore that Toronto Maple Leaf jersey. And there were some good times and that. But it was, uh, you know, like I said, Harold Ballard is kind of like Margie Schott or George Steinbrenner or, or Ted Stepien or whatever it may be. Some of these owners from yesteryear. And um, and I guess my ears are sweating now. Maybe that's what's happening. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it. but, you know. When I, when I say it was always fun, it, it, how fortunate to be involved in. And even on the media side, there was an intimacy there. There was no email. There was no cell phones. There was a real people business. And whatever you want to say about Harold Ballard, he was in that bunker. So fans could come by and give him, give him crap or talk to whatever. And, and, and he was out there. But certainly, the unfortunately, the successes um, never came like you hoped. We got close a few times and then, you know, there was a setback. So, you know, good on Cliff Fletcher coming in, good on him bringing Pat Burns. And then, I mean, like, wow, the Midas touch. So he makes that trade. He made the Edmonton trade before, which got him Grant Fuhrer, which, you know, alone was an okay trade because you gave up Luke Richardson and Vinny Domfus and, you know, you gave up right. some pretty good names. But then you parlay Grant Fuhrer into Dave Anderchuk and a first-round pick, which was Kenny Johnson. You know, and, and and then you get Bill Berg on waivers. Then you get Sylvain Lefebvre for a second-round pick. And Floyd Smith had already brought in Dave Ellett and Bob Rouse and other trades. So, like, you know, it, it, they batted about 1,000% for about two, three years. And then I love Cliff, but did he ever lose his A-game? Like the Mike Craig deal, Benoit oh. Hogue, I mean, you know, on yeah. and on and on. Yeah, you know, with Sergi Momesso, whatever. But but for yeah. a few a few years there, you know, to surround the nucleus of Wendell Clark and and Todd Gill and, you know, a few people from within uh, with with those guys. It was, it was unbelievable. It, it was magical. Well, it was magical. And, and, you know, literally on that roster, those are the Pat Burns teams. Uh, there was no extra weight. There was really three lines um, and five defensemen and Felix. And, and what they would do is keep everybody to the outside. So I always go back to the, the series that they won in Detroit in, in uh, seven games. And, and my line always is, no team ever looked that bad in seven straight games and could win a series because the Leafs literally, uh, even in the games they won, would only show up in the last five minutes. They 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 did the rope a dope and they get the goal in the last five minutes or or score in overtime as they did twice to win. But literally, they were outplayed in each of the seven games. Well, and if you look back, like whatever four games they won, I, I think that well, two are in overtime. Like yeah. say they won them all by one goal, and that probably is accurate, or maybe two in one or two cases. Detroit won their three games like by five goals. Like yeah. Detroit, the three games Detroit won, they kicked their butts. And yeah. Toronto scratched and clawed. And and uh, I, I, you're right. I can remember doing the doing the radio with Joe Bowen. And I remember before Game Five because Mike Foligno scored in Game Five in overtime. Then of course Borshevsky in Game Seven. And the Red Wings had a record of something say like 39-1 and one when they were leading after two periods of play. And both Game Five and Game Seven, the Leafs were behind and came back and came back and won it. And to use a, a, an analogy about the defense core, like that's what I think 2021 style, the, the, the best case scenario for the Maple Leafs D is there's no Norris Trophy winner there. Although, you know, I'm, I'm really big on Morgan Riley like you are as well. But, you know, there's not that Seth Jones are not that guy. But just the way those guys played Rouse and Ellett and Lefebvre, and, you know, and Todd Gill and, and, uh, and, and, those, and Jamie McCowan, like yeah. as as a unit, like, you know, and Lefebvre and McCowan were the main kind of shut down pair. But to your point, it wasn't like they smothered you because they really weren't great defensively, but it was good enough. 
They kept you to the outside. Take your 40 shots. There's no second chance opportunity, and we'll clear the zone. And and really, you know, when you go back to uh, when the Leafs were doing well, especially in the Edmonton series, they had that defensive structure where, you know, you would get your shot, but but it was one and done, and, and you were out. And, and I just liked how they, I, I mean, they, they were really had good chemistry from one line to the next. As the next line came over the boards, they continued on. It was really good attention to detail, which is vacant now. Well, you know, and let's use modern-day Barry Trotz, like when he take, took the Islanders from dead last to first on team defense. And then you looked at it and said, wow, the Islanders, they're the second worst in possession time in their own zone. Yeah, but look where you're shooting from. You come into our zones fine, but you ain't going in the good area, okay? So you can be in all you want. And that's why you're accumulating so much time, which is generally considered a negative statistic. But you take a look where the shots are coming from, and, and they're not scoring chances or anything close. You're in our zone, but you're playing on our terms. Yeah, and so to get back to where we started in segment one about the Leafs goaltending, that's what the problem is, is that uh, these are shots from the wing, you know, solo shots. They're not second-chance opportunities that are going right through. If it's Campbell, it's on the short side. If it's Riddick, it's right through him. That's a problem. I'm trying to find this stat. I'll see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. You'll like this one. Just uh, uh, the guy, this guy who's the stats with Stevie Fellin, and he sent it for me because um, – because uh, I'm I'm of Czech descent. Uh, my dad was uh, uh, Ernie Stelichek way back when and changed his name. So he said, first three games with Leafs of Czech-born goaltenders, okay? So uh, David Riddick, uh, 0.877 save percentage. Yuri Serha, oh, 0.863 save percentage. <laughs> to, to bring up a golden oldie that way, but that's oh. what – I used to, nobody knows who Yuri Serha is anymore. And I, and I liked Yuri, but for years you could bring it up that, you know, he would make the one save in a game that was ridiculous. You should not make, but then he let four in that he should save. So I'd call it the Yuri Serha syndrome, right? Like, you know, let, let that one in that's supposed to go in, but stop the three that you should have stopped. And (laughs) unfortunately these last few games, I mean, it's been a, it's been an unwanted trip for the short term. I assume back to the uh, God love him because Yuri Serha became a, Big player agent as well, but that that Yuri Serha area in the very early 1980s. Wow, I was going to say that's 40 years ago, and if I remember right, I don't think he ever stood up. He was always on his knees. Yeah, whatever you weren't supposed to do, he was doing. Yeah, he he was uh, uh, he he was uh, well. You would have thought years later, like Dominic Hasek defied. Uh, logic how he played so that's great I mean the dominator was unbelievable but yeah Yuri you thought maybe at first that's unorthodox and then you said you know what he sucks <laughs> that's just what it is he can't stop the puck Gord you and I go back a long way uh, you and brother Bob uh, running the uh, the Leafs press room I used to call you guys the Gestetner brothers way back <laughs> in, in the, your early days in the business uh, we've done stuff together earlier on in our careers and lately, we're always working against each other. When when Global had the games, it was a split package with CHCH, and, and you did the CH, and I did the Global, and now we're on opposing radio stations. So I, I just I hope that we can work together again because we had such great fun. Well, I, I really hope so, too. You know, I, and it's fun doing this uh, uh, with you, as always. And it, it is weird right now that, uh, again, when we get going back, that you're at the games, uh, and hopefully, I guess that'll be next season. But uh, if you're at the game, uh, if you're at Air Canada Centre now, Scotiabank Arena, then I'm not. And if I'm there, you're not. You know, because we, like you said, they, they, uh, people kind of sometimes are confused why the uh, radio rights are on one station or the other, but they, they split the lease 50 50. 
the media giants beyond what Larry Tannenbaum owns. So that's the way it is. Everything, everything is 50, 50. And uh, you know, so it's, it's fun. We, we watch all 82 games or this year, 56 and cover it. But uh, it's, you know, as we get older too, uh, Jim, it's all about great people. And uh, it's always been a great experience working with you and great people. And, and uh, it w- it was fun connecting you with a guy named Bill Chinnery that knew you yeah. from school days. And I've got to know, later on. And that's what it's about. So that, that would be great. That absolutely would be great. But right now I'll just keep doing a better job on the broadcast than you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gordy, I have some, I have some taper. No, we don't have time. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's great. And, and Billy C, you know, he used to call me T and I used to call him C. We went to grade school together uh, and we used to phone each other up at night. We'd have the NHL guide. I'm talking, this is in the 60s. Yeah. And we both we both have copies of the NHL guide from the, from the Burlington Public Library. And we'd be going through names trying to figure out and, and figure out how they got to where they were. And I remember when, when the Habs recalled Rogie Vashon. He was a Habs fan. I was a Wings fan. And and Roger Crozier was having trouble. And Rogie Vashon was, was being recalled. We're trying to figure out, you know, where these guys came from and where they would go. And we used to have great conversations, and, you know, over the over the the landline phone, if you will. Well, and it, just a quick one. It's unbelievable this this guy we talk about, but you know, media is the bastion of the C average student. We say, and yeah. mine was probably B. I think you probably were B. But but Bill is one of those guys that he got a hundred in every calculus exam. Can you imagine that? Yeah. He went to Waterloo and he just said, "I, I got a hundred. He goes, "Actually, I'd have the test done." really early, but there's three different ways. So you checked it the other two ways. And kind of, are you kidding me? And I'm watching my 70 year old Justin trying to scratch and claw to get a 60 so he can, you know, beat the standards for university. So that's a great part about sports though. You look look at how different we are compared to Bill, who's worth worth tons because he run funds and all that kind of stuff, but a down to girth guy. But when sports comes, it's always a great equalizer. Gordy, I have to admit this now with you that I was a C minus at best. And in high school, my geography teacher got on me, said I wasn't trying. And I said, uh, you know, I'm going to be a sportscaster and uh, there's no NHL teams in this country, so I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. It's like Tiger Williams, apparently on his aptitude test in high school, just uh, wrote NHL. And that was it. Handed it back. (laughs) He's supposed to fill everything. So you pulled the broadcasting version. Good for you. Yeah, so just to wrap it up, I mean, this this team, this Leafs team now, I mean, you could ov- obviously pick what, what area you like about them or are concerned about them. I mean, you could be really negative or really positive, but they remain in first, and there's all kinds of potential there. I mean, what's your read on, on where this goes? Uh, I'm going to be really positive, and I'm going to, you know, look at Brendan Shanahan for starters and Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, really impressed by Sheldon Keefe, you know, in a short period of time. And, and, uh, and I like that they've got that in place, that they're on the same page. And I'm going to believe in these guys. Like, you know, I mean, the only guy I compare to Austin Matthews that I got to see is Boria Asami. And that's not a slight against Sittler and Sundin and Gilmore or Wendell or all those other people. I mean, just that, you know, that kind of level. And so I, I, I believe there's something special brewing, and I still think something special is brewing. On that note, we'll say thanks, Gordon. I hope to do this again at some point. If not, uh, I'll, I'll phone you. Well, that's the only way we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, no, that's all everyone does, the Zoom call world. So yeah. real pleasure. Okay. You take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Gordy. Last minute of play in this podcast. And there is the time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. Negligent. I should have thanked him for the intro off the top. But Rossi, you're doing a great job here. So yes guy, no guy. David Riddick. No, guy. Oh, my goodness. What's happening here? 
the least performance. Okay, guy. I mean, you know, they played well enough to win. They got let down key moments, certainly by the goaltending, by both goaltenders, Campbell and then Riddick. The least result, an absolute no guy. 0-3-2 at the worst possible time. But are you ready for this? We always end on a positive. The least power play. Finally, goals in back-to-back games. I know, I know what you're saying. Should have been much more, but goals in back-to-back games. So we end on a yes guy. Hope you enjoyed episode number 29 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back Friday for episode 30.